that we're investing in companies that can scale and grow at exciting rates for investors that can also measure environmental impact. Hello, and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we explore how circular, regenerative and fair solutions are better for people, planet and prosperity. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting with those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll hear from entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. You'll find the show notes, links and transcripts at circulareconomypodcast.com, where you can subscribe to updates and our monthly edition of Circular Insights. Welcome back and thanks so much for listening. It's episode 91 and I'm talking to Michael Smith, who's a general partner of Regeneration VC, an investment fund set up earlier in 2022 and investing in solutions addressing the climate emergency. The Regeneration VC advisory board includes Bill McDonough, one of the early and leading thinkers on the circular economy and co-author of Cradle to Cradle, Remaking the Way We Make Things. The board also includes Leonardo DiCaprio, Academy Award-winning actor, producer and activist, and a long-time champion of global environmental issues. Before Michael set up Regeneration VC, he'd invested in over 30 companies, and he brings years of environmental organising experience, having formed Pond Valley, an environmental initiative with philanthropy, research and impact investments, and shared mission, an emergency climate summit with Al Gore, the former US Vice President. Michael's early career includes touring as an international DJ, opening for artists including Rihanna, Guns N' Roses and Kanye West. And he tells us why he decided to set up a fund and why funds like these are appealing to a broader investment community. Michael explains how Regeneration VC is focusing on potential game changers. For example, those using biomimetic approaches to innovate for materials or on new recycling technology. And he explains why it's important to focus on regenerative innovations as well as circular models. We hear about Regeneration VC's investment strategy, which looks at new ventures through three lenses, design, use and reuse. Michael outlines a few of the companies in the portfolio and explains why he thinks they're such exciting investments. Let's get into the conversation with Michael Smith of Regeneration VC. Michael, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you so much, Catherine. It's great to be here. And thanks for joining us at quite an early hour in the States. And Regeneration VC targets a massive value opportunity to evolve consumer industries by harnessing the power of circular and regenerative principles. And you've got three investment themes for design, use and reuse. Could we start by asking you to unpack that a bit for us? Absolutely. So at at Regeneration, we invest in early stage companies These are typically those in the seed and series A, so have just sort of found product market fit or revenue or customers, 
And then we come in with um, capital and with the energy of our team and think about um, the world of uh, venture through three lenses. The first you, you highlighted is design. These are the systems and materials inspired by natural processes or the materials that go into the products we're consuming. Um, the second is use. These are the brands and products that use those materials to create um, the next great apparel and food and, and different um, um, product categories that you interact with as a consumer. And lastly is reuse. Uh, this, these are technologies that repurpose materials and products and the type of interventions you you think about a lot and you hear about a lot on, on this show. Um, how do we extend the life of products? How do we reimagine a waste stream into a new material? So those are the three different pockets that uh, that we cover and uh, excited to go into more detail on, on what that means and how we apply that into actual um, investment and portfolio approaches. Yeah, great. And we'll definitely come back to those and talk about some of the examples. But first of all, I'm curious to know a bit more about your why for doing this, because it's I think it's fair to say your background isn't one of a conventional route into venture capital. That's a that's a fair assessment. And uh, I feel very lucky and blessed to do the work that I am doing now. Um, I have always been very passionate about environmental causes and considerations. And um, I was an entrepreneur earlier in my life and sold um, some businesses and had a good outcome and was able to focus my attentions and energies around the climate emergency. And that's really how I came to this is how can I take a limited amount of capital and a lot of energy and connectivity and put it to work somewhere that it would be useful within the realm of um, the climate situation that that we were facing, you know, a decade ago, and certainly that has only exacerbated since then. And so what regeneration is, is, is the is the highest realization of the research and effort and work that I did along the way of investing in a whole bunch of different categories, to where I found um, a big opportunity to make some change, uh, that there was a lack of capital for what we're doing, and that there was a lot of excitement amongst entrepreneurs and certainly among consumers and you know people in general about wanting to do something about this and and not knowing how to meaningfully engage. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right, and definitely interest is growing, and now we can see uh, more mainstream um, funds, banks, and so on, getting involved in this, and also perhaps a broader community of people who are interested in in investing in this um i remember i first came across regeneration vc when i was doing some research for the book and looking for um names of funds that were specifically focusing on circular economy things and i came across a press release about leonardo dicaprio joining bill mcdonough on your advisory board and noticed that the date of that press release was the day before so, so i thought oh this is quite current i'll post it on linkedin and it it got way more reactions than any other post i've ever i've ever done uh, before or since um so you know what what's the mood amongst investors that you're talking about what kind of reasons do people have for wanting to put their money into something like this that's a really interesting observation you just made and we're excited to see the the reaction that you know you got and that we've gotten um for a variety of reasons i think you know one Anytime you put entertainment and culture, someone like Leonardo DiCaprio, having him as an investor in us and as a strategic advisor, and then add the credibility and depth of expertise that Bill McDonough brings to us as well, as well as 
you know, additional experts in the categories that we're working in the design use and reuse again, which we'll, which we'll double click into further. Um, it allows and enables, uh, a lot of intrigue, a lot of questions, a lot of potential. Uh, I think that helped enable us to successfully raise a first fund in this category. We can still count pretty much on our hands, the amount of exclusively circular focused funds that exist. There's many, many more that are more generalist funds that have circularity as a principle of their investment themes. So we are still at the very beginnings of seeing venture and circularity um, work hand in hand. And we hope to show that within the context of consumer industries, that this is something that there will be in the future, dozens to hundreds of funds doing what we're doing. Um, but for the moment, it's been a useful acceleration of interest into our work. Um, and, and to the second point of, of the why of this, you know, because consumers are so interested in doing the right thing on these topics, and they have maybe the only real power of deciding where they choose to spend their wallet share is within our realm. You, right? They've been waiting on government for so long, which finally in the EU and finally in the glimmers in the US here with the new climate bill passing is happening. But this is the one place, you know, what you put on, on your body, what you consume, what you choose to buy for your house. These are things you can really do. And we want to make sure that we empower consumers to make good decisions, to make ones that are actually beneficial for planet and themselves and that they can afford and that can improve their lives. And so that's really a, a driving goal of our why around what we're empowering at Regeneration. Mm, I think you're right that people really do st are starting to see the power of the money that they spend and voting with their wallet and also voting online by calling out greenwashing companies that they don't really, you know, trust and believe in. So there's definitely a, a swing of interest starting to maybe change the dialogue in, in quite a lot of consumer companies. But just talking a bit more about the investors, are you seeing a trend towards people wanting to use their money to make a positive impact? And for that being the primary purpose of investing, rather than it being the primary purpose is to make a good return. And if I've got a choice between conventional business and circular business, then maybe I'll go with circular. How, you know, how's that starting to shape up? From the investor side, you know, going back almost a decade ago, when I when I really started fully focusing my energy on this space, there was this concept of of what's called um, discretionary returns, and these are investors who are actively willing to take lower returns for a set amount of impact. Um, and that was a breakthrough idea. Call it venture philanthropy, so on and so forth. What what we hope to see within what we're doing is that we're investing in companies that can scale and grow at exciting rates for investors that can also measure environmental impact. So though it doesn't apply to all companies and there are plenty of great solutions that don't fit that box, we want to prove that this is a great place to invest your money because it unlocks great environmental returns alongside economic returns. So that's really what, what we're um, trying to demonstrate at Regeneration, what we hope to demonstrate, because then we feel like there will be a flood of not just more capital, but more talent, more entrepreneurs doing this work. And you're starting to see already a lot of 
you know, traditional um, big tech founders and and high level employees leaving the Facebooks of the world where they're just not motivated anymore to 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 start climate tech projects. And this is happening, you know, in droves in Silicon Valley here in the, in the states, and certainly where you are in the UK. There's a lot of bright minds working on these problems. So that's our main focus. We do not want to decouple those things, but there are certainly amazing solutions and the beginnings of regenerative, which we can get into as well, practices are still very early and even just quantifying how do you think about economic impact. The, the, the social impact, the environmental impact is obvious, but maybe not the full extent of the value of the economic impact within a community or a ecosystem or whatever it might be. So very early days on, on, on what you're asking about, but um, we're excited to, to see all of these things happening. Yeah, I think you're right. It is, it's starting to really challenge people to think about the long-term implications of the companies that they're investing in. Certainly, I'm noticing evidence of insurers as well as some invest, some mainstream investors starting to look at risk, whether it's around climate risk or resource risk or even reputational risk. But there are so many externalities, aren't there, that aren't priced into business models. And as legislation maybe starts to catch up with some of that, then some of these models will, you know, become uneconomic instead of profitable you know some of the linear models so i think it's it's becoming really complicated and maybe the best way of ensuring that you've put your money into something that's future fit is to put it into something that's genuinely circular and regenerative instead of something that's um, perhaps doing a bit less bad than than the mainstream so yeah i think it's um there's a there's a lot more to unpack isn't there as as conversations evolve on that so can we come back to those three investment lenses in a bit more detail and maybe you could give us some examples of of the kind of things that you're investing in that's a, a great segue from what you just said to i to i think exactly how we apply and 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 make that occur in within our work so so back to the three themes the first is design again these are the products that go into the materials that we're consuming so these this might be the fibers and clothes that we're wearing right so by you we have a company called pangaea and also by you we have a, a dye company called colorifics that takes uh, uses synthetic biology and makes pigments that fastens to apparel in different ways and cuts down dramatically toxics and wastewaters. Um, it could be food inputs, right? The things that we're consuming, how do we do that in a more regenerative way, a way that draws down atmospheric carbon into soils and, and natural systems and same with oceans and, and aquatech. It could be um, biopolymers, right? The next generation of polymer activity that can feed um, fibers and packaging and novel materials, right? So we have a, a company called Cruise Foam that, that we can certainly talk about. Um, that's really exciting in that context. That's taking shellfish waste and making um, polystyrene alternative, a styrofoam from shellfish waste. Um, then, then we have the use side. These are the next brands. These are the things you'd buy in store or order online or interact with uh, in, in the real world as a consumer. They could be food brands, they could be beverage brands, um, apparel, different lifestyle products that you may buy, things for your house, personal care, right? So what are those brands and, and how are 
how are you as a consumer getting to them? How are you um, using those products? And then moving into the last case, reuse. The, the, the use is a bridge between the, the creation of that material and what happens after. And so reuse is if we're not sending something to a landfill, what are we doing with it? How are we um, using reverse logistics to move it back post-use through the supply chain? Should that be a smart thing to do? And not in all cases is it, right? Um, should we repair that thing? And there are new laws, right to repair laws out in the EU and that are occurring within the industry that are that are vital to that being viable and also getting producers to reimagine the way that they make things around planned obsolescence and, and uh, terms I know that, that come up often in your show. Um, and then what are the marketplaces for all of these waste streams and how do you get value out of them and how do you best route them um, again ideally more domestically or or within local environments versus sending them throughout the world and, and kind of creating a lot of emissions in the process. So each of those could be a, a digital or a physical intervention on the reuse side and enabling circularity for consumer products and brands and, and things is a top focus of our firm. So those highlight how we're approaching um, uh, each of the themes, and I'm, I'm happy to give <clears throat> more concrete examples on how we approach them. Yeah, great. I think you know there's a there's a, a really strong range of examples there, and I had a quick look at uh, Colorifics earlier on today, and that sort of um, you know the the ethos of that is of of using more natural approaches or chemicals or whatever you know adapting something from from nature to replace what's typically a petrochemical source now i think is really um important and transformational because i think we're starting to understand just a few of the health issues to do yeah. with synthetics and the dyes and the finishing chemicals that are embedded in those and and even embedded not in just not just in synthetics that brings to mind Patagonia's story from years ago about why they went to organic cotton when they realized that in a new store that was that was full of brand new cotton garments waiting to be be sold um, their employees started feeling sick and had headaches and they realized it was VOCs coming off the garments and that you know they were they were buying cotton that was full of chemicals so there's just so much that we're only just starting to unpick with, um, you know, new new science and new understandings and so on. So um, maybe you could talk a bit more about those those kind of, um, you know, more natural approaches to materials. So colorifics, what's fascinating about it is that you know, we've been surveying the dye space and <clears throat> there are just a very limited subset of alternatives to chemical dyes that are functional. So there's a whole class of dyes called natural dyes and natural dyes are significantly more expensive. And these are the dyes that you've probably interacted with when you were trying to as a consumer, do the right thing. They frequently wash off in clothing. Maybe they've stained other clothes you've had. They don't hold onto the fabric very well. And again, they're upwards of double to multiples more expensive. What Colorifics is utilizing is a technology called synthetic biology, where they go into nature and they find different colorways. They take DNA 
from different things that they find within nature, and then they feed that to a microorganism, and it grows a pigment. So this is very advanced technology. That pigment can then fast to different fibers, and it behaves differently with different fiber sets, but it holds, and it holds very well, and its impact reduction are, you know, almost two-thirds less chemicals involved in the process period, half of the water consumption, one-third less energy, and a third less CO2 emissions throughout the process, just where they are at now, right? And they are rolling out globally with this technology and making a lot of improvements in colorways and so on and so forth. But that's a very science-based and, and fascinating approach, whereas a cruise foam takes chitin, which is a biopolymer that's naturally occurring in all things that have shells like shellfish, crustacean, insects, and it breaks it down and it blends it with um, starches and fibers and into a drop-in pellet. So these are all, you know, earth-created ingredients that you can make into something that you can thermoform and extrude on existing machinery that gets rid of styrofoam, which has benzene and horrible carcinogens in it. And now you are, you've displaced all of that and you actually have a product that when you're done with it, you can put it in your soil and within several months, it will um, compost at home in a, in, in, within a soil or other sort of situation. You know, So that's a more natural approach of how do we take advantage of nature? How do we find something that would have gone to a landfill like the shell of a, of a shrimp or a lobster? And how do we remake it into something that's displacing a harmful toxic and regenerate soil? So those are two very, you know, distinct and, and exact um, examples of what we're doing and and we're, things we're very, very excited about the potential. Yeah, I think both of those sound like, you know, complete game changers. And I think when people think about the principles behind, the, behind those, again, it opens up new ways of conceiving lots of other things, doesn't it? Um, you know, kind of getting back to the basics of, um, for the for the shells, what are the chemical comp? You know how how do, how's this made in nature, and what's actually what does the shell actually consist of, and what else could we use those those kind of properties for? Um, I'm going way beyond my pay grade now in terms of the science and the biology, but I think it's those when people see those things and see what it's opened up, then um, that could transform so many other similar. Um, industries and is there an example that you want to give us from maybe from the the use or reuse side of things? So there's a a really fun company um, called Clino Two that that was our first investment that actually checks all three boxes and, and frequently a company will be in one or two. So Clino Two has built a. Um, a a storage device that sits in your mechanical room of a, of a commercial building. And that could be a mall, a multifamily apartment building, a factory. It captures um, emissions that come off of an HVAC system and it bonds it into a material known as potash. So you put into the machine potassium hydroxide and it becomes potassium carbonate. Potash is in thousands of different products, um, but high value ones that derive our fertilizer and cleaning products. So Clean02 operates these machines, takes this material and then harvests it and makes a soap, uh, commercially branded soap product. 
So they have the machine that's reuse. They have the um, potash that is a carbon captured ingredient, value add ingredient. And then they have a brand that is a soap product you can buy if you go to cleano2.ca and and check that out. And we're looking to bring it right now. It's in the US and Canada and Japan. And we're looking to bring it to the UK and the EU, create within local markets, soap products and fertilizer products that we're serving. So very early days for that company. But right now we, we capture about 20% of the emissions off of uh, typical HVAC systems powered by natural gas. The next unit will be about 50%. So this is about 15 tons a year of CO2 equivalent per machine per year. We've got a little over 50 of them operating. So it's it's very, uh, very unusual, very exciting um, introduction of micro scale carbon capture and utilization into um, consumer product. Yeah. And again, that sounds like a complete game changer, doesn't it? Particularly given, um, I don't know whether you've, you've picked up on some of the challenges we've got over in um, the UK and Europe. So um, quite local to me. Um, an American, as it turns out, um, manufacturer of fertilizer and, and carbon dioxide cartridges has suspended production again because the price of gases makes it uneconomical. Um, so, you know, whilst whilst um, it would be brilliant to suddenly uh, persuade farmers to, to use regenerative <laughs> agriculture and not, not fertilizers, that's not going to happen overnight. So finding a way to capture carbon instead of it being a problem and turn that into something useful is obviously really critical, isn't it? And just to um, unpack for those people who are not familiar with the acronym, um, so HVAC, as, as you call it, or HVAC, as um, my husband, who used to work in that industry, calls it, is heating, ventilation and air conditioning equipment. So that's that's what the, um, the, the um, technology is working on. And um, moving on to the sort of uh, modus operandi of Regeneration VC. How do you help accelerate or scale out the solutions that you're investing in? So the, our, our tagline is, is supercharging consumer-powered climate innovation. And, and what supercharging means for us is beyond just giving money to a company, we have a program that each quarter we work with each of our portfolio companies and we establish What's the one or two things that we can do as a team? Because we have a core team and we have this very interesting advisory group that breaks up into design, use, and reuse amongst our 15 advisors, right? And so um, for that, each quarter we work on in smaller groups these initiatives such so that we deliver by the end of the year four meaningful steps of change. That could be a distribution partner, that could be sales opportunities, that could be um, environmental measurements and and how we should message uh, and communicate um, distinctions and changes between circular and linear models or even novel regenerative considerations. That could be a whole host of business needs that a startup and early stage company might have. And so we structure that and that we, we consider that a valuable part of, of what we do to, to help make this whole industry happen faster, to show our LPs, our investors that we're doing work and, and really looking to add value beyond writing a check. And it's it's necessary as we're building ecosystem and community among investors and companies and big corporates and, and these sorts of things. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine there's, there are just so many things that startups like this need help with um, and 
yeah and kind of you know making making sure that things accelerate at the right at the right pace you know not not too fast um, and not falling over so I'd like to just come back to obviously it's called regeneration VC but why do you think it's important to focus on regenerative investments and not just circular so in coming up with how we think about environmental measurement and the impact and change that we want to make our sort of our theory of change, if you will, for regeneration and working with Bill McDonough, he has a concept of a regenerative biosphere and a circular technosphere. So within a circular technosphere, I think that's pretty well imagined and defined to this point. This is what we just described of moving things from where they come from to use and back through the supply chain and all the steps that can happen in between. But you can't endlessly circulate an ingredient or material. At some point, you need to reintroduce it back into a natural system. And ideally, if you're applying the same thinking that you would around a circular technosphere to the biosphere, you're thinking about where things are coming from, how they're being grown, raised, you know, considered, where they are traveling, and how they're being reintroduced. And this allows for a more whole picture of circularity that, that incorporates Earth systems into it. And so for us, we think about for each of these technologies, not just the reduction of the harm per your earlier point, call that the sustainability movement. We think about, is there an opportunity to actually unlock Earth system potential? Because the Earth is regenerative on its own, and it wants to so badly regenerate are there activities and things we can do, certainly from the food systems that we encounter and the and the and the fibers and these natural products and and right that that we that we see and interact with? That is what we want to do our best to measure. And the challenge that we're having at the moment is it's so complex. There's something very simple about circularity, not to call it easy, but it's all, you know, it's man-made, human-made systems. With Earth, you have this interaction of um, of trees and, and soils and communities and and things, streams that travel and and how do you measure and consider that? So, it, how we think about it now for our first fund is we are doing our very best to get our heads around and just understand all the downstream impacts, all the opportunities, really begin to map it. In the future, I hope that we get better quantitative rigor around how we evaluate it and consider it. And there are a number of new models that are emerging. And so our impact team, we have a team dedicated to thinking about these things, is um, we'll be discussing it. And we will have in the next few weeks our impact report in, in, in concert with Climate Week here in New York uh, on the third week of September that you can get at our site and we'll be, we'll be talking about this topic. So feel free to go to regeneration.bc and, and, uh, and download our report and get some insights on regenerative uh, measurement. Thank you. Yeah, that sounds interesting. And I'd, uh, be really keen to see what kind of things, you know, how you're approaching that. Cause you, I think you're right. It is just incredibly complicated, but also incredibly important that we think about how to, not just sustain the the you know sustain better flows and i guess this is one of the dangers of companies taking a circular approach just to materials 
in that, you know, if you're still encouraging people to just consume as much and it's not really regenerative further back down the, um, the system, then you're not really solving the problem in any meaningful way. So are there any um, real or imagined barriers blocking progress on, on what you're doing? Of course, right? So there's inertia of this linear system that we have that we were all trained in and brought up in. It's, it's, it's um, everything we're doing is, is counter to that. And we live in this world of intense specialization. So finding open and interdisciplinary systems is, is rare and it's new. And the world of circularity by design breaks these systems apart. Um, and there's so much friction to getting there. So there are many blocking factors. Um, behavior change is probably at the top of that list. How do we show people different ways of consumption? How do we educate them on alternative you know, ways that are beyond what they've been trained? And, and what's exciting for me is when I was a kid, you know, my grandparents came from a more circular system before these last 50, 70 years. And so it made sense to me that that has existed. But if you're under the age of 30, that's that's really a novel idea. You've just grown up in a, in a much shorter, consumptive, single limited use culture. Uh, also, regulation, right? There, while the I'd say the circular economy action plan is the most hopeful and forward thinking around all of the topics that we're getting our heads around, there's very little elsewhere. You know, California has a couple things that are exciting on on these topics, and few states and a few cities, and the occasional odd and end country. But uh, overall, this is a new idea, and and the things that are being focused on within a regulatory framework are not empowering and enabling um, us as much as, say, you know, electrification right now. Uh, or renewable energy or certain other segments that have a ton of focus. There's very little applied to consumer industries and, and circularity yet. But we do think that is changing and we do see hope on on each of these fronts. Mm. Yes. And again, it's complicated for governments, isn't it, to get their head around it and to make sure whatever legislation or policies that it put in place don't have unintended consequences. So... Thinking back to the, um, you know, the beginning of, of this, what have you struggled with, Michael, and perhaps what surprised you in the process of getting this far with Regeneration VC? The hardest thing that you can do in finance is, is raising a first-time fund uh, because finance loves to see a track record and they love to see that a lot of other people have done something and they love to know where you've come from and why you can execute on a vision. So um, that in and of itself was hard. Then you double on that, less than 2% of all venture capital goes to consumer related industries. And most of that goes to growth. So almost nothing virtually, you know, low, less, well less than a quarter of a percent is going to early stage consumer and around environmental. So that just made it additionally challenging. But it resonated because everyone we spoke to was a consumer and, and saw the problem and, and had a sense this is where it's going. And it, there has to be investors who care about this. And so in the context of that, we got our way through and it was a lot more work than we ever expected, but very much worth it. And now to the point where we're out and people know about us and entrepreneurs are reaching out. 
things are in a, a, a much more exciting lane right now, especially in a global, all the global challenges occurring to see the amount of interest we're getting from finance and from sovereign funds and fund of funds and some of these, you know, institutional categories is very encouraging and shows that, you know, hopefully we're on to something. I'm I'm sure you are onto something, and that's really interesting to hear that sovereign funds are starting to look at this as well. That's that's really hopeful. So, if you were talking to another uh, a business that wanted to start something, obviously you talk to entrepreneurs all the time, but or go circular, um, thinking about the consumer sector, what would be your, the one number one tip that you'd share with them where to, for where to start? So this is. This is an interesting question in the sense that you have your existing business. Um, should it be reimagined through a circular context, right? Just so start there. Is is this something that has a place in uh, in the realm of what we're discussing? Are there circular and regenerative opportunities? The answer is typically that there are things that you can do no matter what, where in your personal life, in your family life, in your work life, in your government life, and whatever it is that you can apply these principles because at the end of the day, you're talking about increasing efficiency and reducing waste at a high level around circularity. And so going through your business and saying, what are changes that I could make and ranking those to say, where are the economic opportunities? Where can I make the most money or create the most savings? And then on the other side, getting some sort of proxy analysis done. If you're a big company, it's worth investing in. If you're at home, just using you know, off the shelf tools or reading or whatever it might be, but ranking the environmental potential of each of those changes and then creating a uh, a diagram and strategy to say, okay, here's the 20 things I could do, but here's the three things that are probably the easiest, can get me the best return and have a good environmental impact because those are the things you're actually going to do and put your effort into. And if you can see a benefit from that, then you're going to keep going. Um, that's my best recommendation. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. And I I think in personal life, you know, starting something and the feel good factor of actually having changed a habit that you might have been sticking with for years and years and changing that and the sort of realizing how it makes you feel that really gives you energy for the next complicated thing to research or or persuade your uh, your family to change. And Michael, is there someone you'd recommend as a future guest for the program? Yes, we just recently invested in a company um, that's originally from Tel Aviv and uh, now is in New York as well. It's called Tulu. And the co-founder, Yael Shermer, I would recommend having a conversation with. What Tulu is doing is they have shared services in apartment lobbies. They're in London in a number of buildings right now. They're in 14 different global cities. So instead of having 100 uh, Dyson vacuums in in a building, they have a few in the lobby that you can use and share between tenants. Um, They have chips and snacks. They have a print machine, right? They have um, scooters and helmets and things like that. So it's shared services within an apartment building to rapidly diminish the amount of virgin products needed to cover that building to also partner and work with brands to help them create products that are built to last and be utilized more. So a, a, a VR goggles or a cleaner of uh, a mop, a auto mop cleaner that's being used 
once a week or once a month is very different than one that's being used multiple times a day. How do you service that? How do they build to make things that last longer? Really interesting conversations. And I think Yael would be great uh, guest for you to talk about and talk Yeah, with. thank you. And I think I'd come across uh, Tulu a few months ago and thought that looked really interesting. So thanks, I'll, I'll follow up on that. And Michael, if you could wave a magic wand and create and change just one thing to create a better world, what would that be? You said it a, a minute ago, and, and I, I alluded to it. So it, it's it's all about behavior change because we have all of the technologies we need right now to deal with the climate emergency that we're all facing, that we all live through this summer, we'll live through again, you know, the rest of the year and ongoing. We have um, we need the will. We need the regulatory will. We need the um, business will. We need to step up at the time and the scale that is required to, to, to deal with this. And again, at Regeneration, we focus that around consumer industries, but it's all industries working together on these really complex challenges. And it's just that that will to, to prioritize, to make the sometimes very tough decisions and and work together to accomplish it. Yeah, thank you. That's uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It, you know, we all need to be the change and we all can be the change starting in all sorts of small ways and, and growing from there. So, Michael, um, how can people find out more and get in touch with you and Re Regeneration VC? So please go to our, our website at, at regeneration.vc uh, for entrepreneurs that want to reach us and have us consider um, their companies for investment. We have um, a link to do so on our on our site. We update um, news and, and awesome podcasts like this one that come up uh, on there as well and portfolio companies. That's the best way. Uh, we're at Regeneration VC um, on our on Twitter as well, uh, and LinkedIn is a very active page for us uh, for updating and sharing information. So please join and, and follow us at, at all these different places. Thank you, and I'll put all those links in the show notes so people can check them out afterwards. And Michael, thanks very much. That's been really insightful. It's really exciting to hear about the different themes and some of the game-changing investments in each of those themes and I think it's just so inspiring and hopeful to see what's happening with the entrepreneurs but also what's happening with the growing interest from investors thank you very much and good luck with the next phase and look forward to seeing more about the next investments absolutely and thanks so much for the awesome work you do with rethink we're excited to participate thanks michael I'm really encouraged to hear about the surge in investor interest, particularly by sovereign funds, and that employees are moving away from those once exciting tech companies towards businesses with more fulfilling aims, with a purpose beyond profit. It's also important that these funds are providing more than just capital. Michael described how the Regeneration VC team provides energy and a wide range of expertise. Michael mentioned Regeneration VC's tagline of supercharging consumer-powered climate innovation. The team provides expertise through the advisory group and they're helping to build out business ecosystems and communities to help the startups get through those tricky early stages. Some of the startups seem to have potential to be game changers. Colorfix, for example, could revolutionise textile chemicals, 
providing massive benefits from an environmental and health perspective. The idea of learning from biology and looking at how the natural world solves some of our most challenging problems is fascinating, and it seems to be gaining attention. You might want to listen to my interview with Richard McCowan of the Biomimicry Innovation Lab back in episode 43. I was fascinated by the focus on consumer products to help disrupt the just-sell-more model that's driving our enormous production and consumption footprint. Regeneration VC is helping to accelerate alternatives that are based on circular and regenerative principles. As Michael reminded us, we can't just endlessly circulate materials. The second law of thermodynamics and entropy is just one reason why that's not feasible. It's obvious that at some point we need to reintroduce end-of-use materials back to water and soil. And of course, we don't want that reintroduction to harm those living systems that sustain us and keep us healthy. Finding solutions that help regenerate soil and biodiversity, providing food for nature instead of harming health, is critically important. It's encouraging to hear that Regeneration VC has an impact team to properly evaluate that. Michael mentioned the Regeneration Report. There's a download available and I've put a link in the show notes. I've also included a link to a recent interview Michael did with Entrepreneur Magazine. So that's it for another episode of the Circular Economy Podcast. Thank you to our guest this week, Michael Smith of Regeneration VC, for taking the time to share those insights. And thanks also to Kim Baker of Elemental for introducing me to Michael. Thanks also to you for listening, for supporting us and for helping share why circular and regenerative solutions are so important. You can find out more about Michael Smith and Regeneration VC and check out the other links we mentioned in the show notes at circulareconomypodcast.com. I believe we can all help make the circular economy happen through the choices we make at work and in our everyday lives, buying pre-used, keeping what we have for longer, repairing it, and making sure it has another life. Those choices send strong signals to companies and governments, making it clear we all want a better, circular and regenerative future. We can all help spread the word too. Talk about the circular economy and help other people find this podcast by leaving us a rating and a review on your podcast app. Email a screenshot of your review to podcast at rethinkglobal.info and we'll give you a shout out on the show. We've made it easier for you to find episodes on the key circular economy strategies or for a market sector or specific countries. Check out our interactive podcast index. There's a link on the podcast homepage at circulareconomypodcast.com and every episode includes an interview transcript. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one and two or buy a copy of my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook, How to Build a More Resilient, Competitive and Sustainable Business. It takes you through the concepts and practicalities with hundreds of real examples from all around the world. The Circular Economy podcast is brought to you by Rethink Global, helping you succeed with circular. You can find information on our talks, workshops, coaching and advice 
and Circular Economy resources at rethinkglobal.info or connect with me, Catherine Wheatman, on LinkedIn. <laughs>